You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. Last week we looked at a worshiping church, a witnessing church, a waiting church. And this morning we're going to look at a church that walks in and by the Spirit. So we're going to call it the power of community this morning, the power of community. Father, we thank you as we approach your word, that you lead us and guide us, Lord, that you are true to your word when you said you would not leave us as orphans, but would send your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And we ask for that this morning, Father, as we approach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn with me in the book of Acts, please. We're going to read Acts chapter 2. We're just going to read a few verses right at the end of Acts chapter 2, and we're going to dive in there. So last week we covered uh, Acts 1 and Acts 2 just about, and this morning we're going to cover five verses. So we, what we said last week as we started this thing, we're not going to teach through this verse by verse and chapter by chapter as we normally have when we've taught through books, right? We're just going to pick some highlights, we're going to pick some themes and hit it. And so this morning, the highlight for us is the power of community. And so it starts off, Acts 2, 42 says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So it's a great, there's another picture like this in Acts chapter 4. We won't go there for the sake of time today. But I I love these two pictures. And for me, I always say this, it's a little big picture, right? Because it's little, it's only five verses. But it shows us a big picture of what New Testament life was like in the formation of the early church. But for us to understand what's going on here, we actually have to just read back up one verse, Acts 2.41. Actually, let's go to 38, because that's uh, cool, gives us some context. So verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So this gives us a context to verse 42, right? If we read that right through, it's going to read like this. Those who who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Can you see that? So when we get to verse 42, and it says they devoted themselves, it's not talking about 
and, we've, and we do this often at Redemption City Church, it's not talking about some super saints, some mature believers. This is not a devotion that you come to way down the line. The people that devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching were the 3,000 that had just got saved. Are, are you doing all right? And so I wanna say this, as we get saved, this is critical to our understanding of what happens when we get saved. We should get new devotions. They devoted themselves right at the onset, as they get saved, as they are added to the church, they devoted themselves, and they understand this right in that split second, that they get new devotions. But before we get there, we, are, you know, we've, uh, we made the announcement a couple of weeks ago, we've got these interns that are with us, and they help us on a Wednesday morning in our volunteer staff meeting, and they go through our planning and strategizing and all that for, for, Saturday, for Sunday, and then on Friday morning, they come back and we do leadership training. And one of the things we've spoken about a lot in the context of, of discipleship is this word, discipline, right? Uh, I love that scripture in, in 2 Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of power, love, timidity. I mean, uh, anyway, I'm pretty sure I butchered that quite badly. But a spirit of self-discipline. The old translations used to say sound mind, but actually a more accurate translation is self-discipline, right? And we've spoken often about this thing as well, desire, discipline, delight. What is it that you desire? You desire to save money and buy a home. You desire to own your own home, desire. There's gonna have to be some financial discipline so that you can save the down payment and then you live in the delight of owning your own home. You wanna lose weight or gain weight? You wanna run a marathon. You don't just run 20 miles the day before the marathon. There's, some, there's a desire to run the marathon. There's some self-discipline. I've gotta get on the road every day and train and build up my mileage so that I live in the delight of crossing the line at the New York City Marathon. Does that make sense? And so uh, the critical thing here in this verse is they devoted themselves. Right? There's an action on their part. There's an action on their part, and it's critical for our understanding of how we go through this text. They did it themselves, obviously with and by the Holy Spirit, but there are some things that we're gonna have to devote ourselves to, that we're gonna have to set time aside for, that we're gonna have to commit to. Are you doing all right this morning? When we get saved, we get a new faith, we get a new father, we get a new family, and we get a new financial system. That's what these guys are understanding. This is, these are the things that they are devoting themselves to, and we're gonna see that as we, go, as we go along. They become not so devoted to self, more devoted to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says this, we make it our goal to please him. We make it our goal to please him. And we've gotta be very sure of who the him is. Right, it's not another man, it's not a leader. It's, if you're in this church, it's not me. We make it our goal to please him. We make it our goal to please the Lord. And if we all make that our goal, collectively, individually and collectively, we make it our goal to please him, then it's so much easier for everybody to be on the same page as we move forward. Are you doing okay? They're not so devoted to sin, more devoted to purity and holiness. I love that text in Philippians, and we won't go there for the sake of time, but Philippians, when it says this, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, think on these things. Be devoted to these things of purity and holiness. And then the text that we're dealing with today, 
not so devoted to individualism, more devoted to community, Acts 2, and we see this thing. They devoted themselves to all of these things. This all comes about as Jesus comes into clearer and clearer focus for us. Do you think if you've been saved, if you've been saved three months, your picture of Jesus, your revelation of Jesus should be a little clearer than it was the first day you got saved. Three years should be a little clearer. 30 years should be a little clearer. Does that make sense? We can't just go, okay, that's my revelation of Jesus when I got saved, and I'm just going to stick with that revelation. We can't do that. It's as we get devoted, as we press in on these things, that our revelation of Jesus becomes clearer and clearer and more in focus for us, and he truly becomes the object of our desire. I had a bit of a different introduction into, into leadership and ministry than most people did. I got saved on Wednesday, got baptized on Thursday, and shared my testimony at my first youth meeting that Friday. And that Friday, the pastor said to me, I can see you don't need me anymore, and he never came back. He's like, okay, you're the youth leader now. I'd been saved on Wednesday. But, so anyway, so they sent me away to this national youth camp, right? And I've been saved literally for weeks, but I'm the youth leader. And they sent me to this youth camp that is uh, Manny Pereira, one of our guys, and uh, um, all these guys, but it's these, like all these big shots, and I'm sitting there with them. I've been saved weeks. And they ask us to write down, what are your desires? By the grace of God, I didn't go first. Because they called people up, come share your desires. And some of, the, some of what we sang in that song, oh, we desire to see God move in our youth group, and we desire Jesus to come into focus. And I'm looking at my notes, and my notes are like, I need a new helmet for my motorcycle. I need to... <laughs> I'm like, where do these guys get this stuff from? But isn't that true? When we grow in the things of God, our desires are more focused towards Jesus. They shouldn't become less focused towards Jesus. They should become more focused because Jesus becomes clearer and he becomes more and more and more the devotion of our life. Are you doing all right? Okay, number one. They devoted themselves. What did they devote themselves to? Number one, the apostles' teaching. Now, I need to spend a minute here because there's a teaching by a prominent guy in our nation that calls himself an apostle that he teaches this. He teaches because he is an apostle that what he says is on equal footing, on equal importance, and on equal value with the scripture. And he uses this scripture to justify it. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I'm an apostle. What I teach, you need to be devoted to. And he'll teach it like that. I want to tell you, it's absolutely dangerous. But secondly, it's not what the scripture means. Are you doing all right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Not what that scripture means. This scripture is talking about the apostles teaching the word of God. That's what this is talking about talking about them teaching the Bible as we know it, old and the portions of the New Testament that they were already starting to put together. We see much evidence of this. Acts chapter 2, we quoted it when, when uh, they prophesy, uh, uh, Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That's a direct quotation from Joel, the book of Joel, right? 
And later on in that chapter references David. I saw the Lord before me. We also have Acts 17 verse 11. And I, I want to say this. This needs to be a foundational text for us. Acts 17 verse 11. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. I guess the Thessalonians might not have been happy with that. But anyway. The Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness. Listen carefully now. And they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul had said was true. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. I'm, I'm telling you what we should need to start doing. That wasn't a great sentence in English. <laughs> what we need to start doing, every single one of us, is to go home every day and open our Bible and make sure what comes from this pulpit is true. Are you doing okay? That's our obligation. And it says this, the Bereans were of more noble character. Every single one of us will be of more noble character. Some translations say this, the Bereans were more blessed. Every one of us would be more blessed if we left here, went home, opened our Bibles and said, how does this all fit together? Are you doing okay? We have so much of scripture that reaches back into the Old Testament. Jesus himself, Luke 24, verse 25. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He's talking about the Old Testament prophets. He says, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Now listen, and beginning with Moses and the prophets, beginning with the Old Testament, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Even Jesus goes back to the Old Testament and says, don't you understand? This is all written. It's all prophesied. Not making it up as he goes along. Even Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father say. Are you doing okay this morning? Man, I, I want to tell you, man, that, you know, some, some of this stuff is dangerous. And I'm trying to help you this morning. I'm trying to give you a protection this morning to say this, that it is the word of God that has to be our final authority, no man. Are, are you doing okay? So we can say it like this then. They devoted themselves, we explain in Acts 2.42 now, they devoted themselves to the scriptures as was being taught by the apostles. Now that scripture makes more sense. Are you doing okay? Rather than to say, because I'm an apostle, because I'm a pastor, because I'm a teacher, because I'm a prophet, every word that comes out of my mouth aligns with the word of God. We had lunch with the interns after the, after kickoff Sunday, and Matt asked me a question. And I can't remember what the question was. I can't remember what he said, but I, I'm, and I was messing with him, obviously. But I'm like, Matt, I want to tell you, bro, every word that comes out of, my, out of my mouth is the word of God. Christine just goes, you lie. <laughs> That's my girl, Christine, right there. That's exactly what we need. That's exactly the attitude we need. It's like, you lie. You do it. That's not the word of God. This is how Hebrew boys, I need to fly. This is how little Hebrew boys were taught as disciples. Read the text, learn the text, live the text, pray the text, teach the text, die to the text. In other words, every time my life does not align with the text, my life must change. Are you doing okay? 
read the text, learn the text, live the text, pray the text, teach the text, die to the text. Are we doing okay? Number two, the fellowship. The fellowship. I've got four minutes. The fellowship. Not simply hanging out, not sitting around in a circle singing Kumbaya, my Lord. It's not what they're talking about here. That word, koinonia. It's those called together for a purpose. It's a military term. It's calling this team, this, this group of individuals together for a particular task, for a mission. And we know this, that we say this often as well, the redemptive purpose of God for this city and this nation existed long before this church was planted. Are you doing okay? That's the mission. That's the purpose for which we've been called together. To see leaders, to see people saved, to see leaders recognized, raised up and released, to see churches planted out of this church, 10 in 10, some combination of 10 multi-sites or 10 church plants in the next 10 years. That's our little piece of the puzzle for the next 10 years. Planet Earth is our mission. Mankind is our mission. You doing okay? Number three, the breaking of bread. I've often heard it preached that this was simply referred to them meeting in each other's homes for meals, and that may be true, and it does say that. They met and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. But there's much more to that than a simple meal. In this context, the breaking of bread is to remind us of the greatness of the gospel and of the goodness of God. When we break that bread, we remember his body broken for us. When we drink that wine or the grape juice, we remind him that his blood is spilt for us for the forgiveness of sins. They were devoted to prayer, number four. Prayer always speaks and shows our reliance on God. The more we realize that God is the ultimate provider of every good thing we have, the more we realize that, like I said, I, I, I think we grow in these things. We don't like, gee, I get saved. Wow, God, you're so good. You've blessed me with all this stuff. 30 years later, oh, I, I did this, Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? Then we're reverting back to immaturity in that case. So I think as we grow in the things of God, we realize more and more and more that he is the provider and the giver of all things. And as we grow in that, I want to tell you, we get to the place where we will pray more and more about everyday things. Are you, do, are you doing okay? I think when we get to that place, not only is prayer our first response, not only is prayer our first kind of go-to, but in the life of a mature believer, when we devote ourselves to these things, prayer should become our first language. Not just our first response, but our first language, our first opportunity every day, every moment of every day, breaking away to take a time to pray here, understanding this, that we're praying for situations and for stuff, but also just acknowledging the goodness and the greatness of God. God, how awesome you are. One of the things that we realize as we grow in maturity for this thing, we realize this. When, when we immature in our understanding, we think of God as the safety net. So my job is my provider. I get this cool salary from my job. If I lose my job, I've got this safety net of God. That's inverted thinking. That's wrong thinking on this thing. What we have to say is God is my provider. God provided this job for me. And God is always there 
never here as the safety net. He's always up here. He's my provider. He's the ultimate source of every good thing that comes my way. It's God. You doing okay? We always taught our boys to pray about stuff. And then as they mature, you get to tell them something and then they go, okay, dad, I'll pray about that. I'm like, wait, it doesn't work like that. I just gave you a clear instruction. No, I'm gonna go pray about that. <laughs> you can't reel some of those things back, but it's good. It's good. I love to tell my boys something. They go, okay, I'm gonna pray about that. And then I'll come back a week or two later. And they're like, this is what I think God's saying. And so there is this conversation and there is this input, but they, I'm trying to push them towards this thing all the time from when they were little. Pray first, son. Pray first. And, and I wanna tell you that this is like, you know, Blaze got a concussion this week and had to go to the doctor and all that. And when he called me, he's like, Dad, I've got a concussion. Can you pray for me? I said, because Blue's up there with him. They room together. I'm like, have you asked your brother to pray? Because he's right there with you. And, and I want to say that that has to be more and more our response to these things. You know, Pastor, can you pray for me? Have you prayed? Because I'm not sure if you can't be bothered to pray, why I should be bothered to pray for you. I'm joking, just, my wife's going, TK. <laughs> no, but I mean, as a principle, do you understand the principle? Surely we've got to pray. Surely we've got to take some responsibility. That's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, not fellowship, the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Are you doing okay? Let's land. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, so we see this. Remember where we started? We said 3,000 added to their number. And then we see this incredible picture of New Testament church life. And then it ends again. With, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Does that make sense? So we see this great outbreaking of salvation. We see this picture of what people devoted themselves to in that, in that salvation. And the end result of that was God continued to add to them daily those who were being saved. I want to say this, friends. As a church, as believers, as individuals, as a church, having the desires of our hearts shifted towards Jesus by the Holy Spirit, anchored in the truth of his word, devoted to one another in fellowship and unity, proclaiming the gospel, observing the Lord's Supper, and relying on him in prayer. Man, sign me up for that church. Sign me up for that church. We've said this time and time again, church will look different when we move from people coming to be filled to filled people coming when we've all devoted ourselves to all of these things all week and we come together, I wanna to tell you that's gonna be an explosive combination. We look at the church in the, book, in, in the book of Acts. They did nothing fancy. They didn't have a big budget. They didn't have PowerPoint presentations. They didn't have celebrity preachers or rock star worship leaders. They were ordinary people living simply in reliance and celebration of God. And Luke says, in spite of that, maybe because of that, that favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who have been saved. Let's stand together.
Father, would you help us? By your spirit, Lord, would you refocus us on Jesus? Would Jesus truly, 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 Lord, become our desire and our devotion? Lead us into all of these things, we pray, Father. Lead us into them. Lead us into them. And may we live, Lord, in the favor and the pleasure of knowing that we've made it our goal, we've made it our desire to please you. Just stay there for a moment, folks. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I know this is a constant thing for me. Man, life comes at, it, at us, distractions come at us. And I get that we're busy with jobs and school and families and raising kids and all of these things. And I'm just as busy as you. The fact that I'm busy with the church and with ministry and that doesn't inoculate me against getting distracted and forgetting that Jesus is my devotion. Just remind us this morning, Lord, just fix our eyes again on you, Lord. Help us to be devoted to the word of God, to the fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Pray involving you in our lives at every turn. We give you honor and glory, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.